0: Good morning to all of you, and welcome, and to those who are watching online, we welcome you as well. Uh, What a joy today to be sharing God's Word with you, and um, I've got a topic this morning that I just think is, it's just relevant for the season, because we're now in the season Forgetting. Is this not the most wonderful time of the year? Anticipation is starting to grow, is it not? Because we are now in the season forgetting. Yes, Jeff. I grew up with two uh Questions being presented to me that I had to give an answer to during Christmas and after Christmas. What were those two questions? What do you want for Christmas? I can see my grandmother right now asking me that, Dwayne, what do you want for Christmas? When I would go to see that Santa Claus guy, He said, what would you want for Christmas? What would you like for Christmas? And then after Christmas, there came the next question. What was the question? What did you get for Christmas? Boy, we're in the season for getting. Aren't you excited? Jeff's over there going, no. You know, my opening is kind of in your face, where it's called you to go. I'm, I'm, that, that's not us, and it's not. It definitely should not be us. We're not in the season for getting, but friends, we are in the season for getting to give. We're in the season for getting to give. And and as you think about that concept of giving, we we just came out of Thanksgiving, which is a time of giving thanks. Giving. You you can't have Thanksgiving without having that time of giving thanks. And as Pastor Kibbenz has already said, that's not just a day. First Chronicles 16, 8 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. And I can give you uh, probably 50 more verses that speak about us giving thanks to the Lord. You don't just give thanks on a day. You give thanks daily. Every day is to be a thankful day. We have had a time to give thanks and continue to give thanks. Christmas is a time for getting to give. Is this not true? You, hopefully you will watch uh, The Christmas Carol, uh, Scrooge. How does that movie start? Two men show up at his place of business, and, and they say at this festive, festive time of the year, as, as we look at people in need, we want to give to help them out. By now, some of you have already experienced this. Uh, there is the ringing of the bell. I've done that many a times for the Salvation Army. And it's, it's a joyful time to be out there letting people know you can give to help those in need. Christmas is a time to give, a time for getting to give. Now, as I got in your face with getting, I— maybe getting in your face right now with giving let me ask a question what are your thoughts when it comes to giving who's the Scrooge in here that if they hear about giving it's a Bah humbug What's your thoughts on giving how do you feel about this aspect of Giving. Tuesday is nationally now called Giving Tuesday. And I don't know about you, but my inbox is filling up with requests already. Matter of fact, I had some two months ago, a month ago, last week. People sending me requests. Please give to us. It is one request after another. We seem to be overwhelmed with everybody wants us to be giving at this time of the year. Bah, humbug. I'm overwhelmed with it. This is too much. What's your thoughts regarding giving? If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to go to Luke chapter 10. I want us to look for a few moments at a familiar story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Within the story, we're going to find three behaviors— that's going to help us to understand our thinking about giving. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. If you find your place, it'll come up on the screen. Jesus tells a story. Luke 10. A certain man, verse 30, went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Wow. Bad day for a good guy. Stripped, robbed, wounded, half dead, laying in a ditch. Verse 31, Jesus continued. Now by chance, a certain priest, that's a religious leader, came down the same road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, another religious leader, came and looked. More than saw, wow, hmm, you guy's are in bad shape. But it says, and he passed by on the other side. Verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Now, here's something I know. I know there's more to the story because when Jesus said he had compassion, there has to be more to the story because for a person to have compassion, there will be action. You may say, I feel sorry for you and do nothing, but you can't say you have compassion and not do something. So what we're going to see now in verse 34 is that there's going to be Action. This man has compassion that his heart now moves to take action. What's the action? So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And then, having done this, he goes the extra extra mile because he stays there with him and on the next morning it says he when he was ready to depart he took out i'm going to say 20 dollars and he gave them to the innkeeper and said take care of him and whatever more you spend when i come again i will repay he's making sure this man is going to recover The man that has been beat up and passed over is now going to be lifted up, helped out by this man. Now, what do we get from this story? As we think about behaviors, three behaviors from the story we see the taker, we see the keeper, and we see the giver. Three behaviors, the taker, the keeper, the giver. The taker has said, what is yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. And there are people who think like that. They think like that right here in Winston-Salem. Danita and I know firsthand because they robbed us of our car. Takers. Takers. Then there's the keeper. The keeper says, what is mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. But then there's the giver. And the giver, you're going to say, they're going to say, what's mine is yours. No, no, no. They're going to say, what's mine is mine. but is also yours, and I will give it. Now, which one are you? Are you the taker who has a mindset that what everybody else has belongs to you and you're going to take it? Or are you a keeper as the more you get, the more you're going to hold on to? You're, you're grabbing that money and it's, you're, you're tight-fisted with the money. Or are you someone who realizes that what has come into your life can also be shared with other people? Which one are you? Three behaviors this morning taker, keeper, giver. Let's take a few moments this morning and let's talk about biblical teaching regarding. Giving, I could spend a message on being a taker and tell you, you shall not steal. We could do a whole message on that commandment. I could talk to you about, from Proverbs, about not being a stingy hoarder of your money, being a keeper. But let's focus this morning on what does it mean to be a giver? Because what I want you to do is see in this season of getting to give, the joy. But more than that, the teaching— of scripture. Forgiving. Three verses. Go to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Proverbs 3, verse 9 says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. I did not become a Christian until I am in my early 20s. However, I did grow up going to church. I would have a religious background. And as I went to church very early on, I learned about giving. I learned about tithing. I learned about Malachi 3, that you're to bring into the storehouse the tithe. And with my parents... They were tithers. They gave. My grandparents were tithers. They gave 10%. As I become a Christian and I'm looking at being a giver, the verse, though, over Malachi 3.10 that got my attention the most was this verse. There's a component of tithing the kind of causes one—not everybody—for some, that ten percent belongs to the Lord. Well, look at Proverbs 3:9. Honor the Lord with your possessions. He didn't say ten percent. That's everything, folks. That means my car is his possession. My truck is his possession. My clothes are his possession. My computer is his his possession. My house is his possession. Everything I got, every stock, every bond, everything I own belongs to him, and I'm supposed to honor him with that. I'm not going to have you turn there, but just make a note here. 1 Corinthians 4 2 says that you and I are to be good stewards, a steward of what God has given us, and we're to be found faithful with it. Everything that I got, I'm supposed to honor him. Then it says, and with the first fruits of all your increase. Now we look at first fruits. The first fruit is the 10%. And it says in several places, and we don't have time to turn there, but it says in several places that the first fruits are to be brought to the House of the Lord. So as I look at Proverbs 3 9, I'm learning everything I got is to be honoring to the Lord. And I'm to be giving a portion of everything that He has to His work. And so I'm going to make a statement as a reminder God's work is paid for by God's people. Oh, I finally heard one. I was waiting for everybody to say, amen. God's work, the work of this church, is to be paid for by God's people. Proverbs 3, 9. Now, let's go to Ephesians 4, Twenty eight. it, throw me that bottle of water, please. Ephesians four twenty eight. Thank you, sir. Let him who stole steal no longer. Ephesians. One, two, three, those first three chapters, theology. Who God is, what God has done. But now Paul in chapter four, five, and six is going to get practical. And he's going to tell us how to live now that we're a Christian. And he says, hey guys, I know some of you have been thieves. So let him who stole steal no longer Start practicing, thou shalt not steal. But I got to have income. (laughs) Yeah, so, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good. Yeah, get an honest job. Make an honest wage. Have honest income. You make a living by your industry. Honest industry. Yes. That he may have something. Yes. That he may have something. He's going to take care of himself. Oh, friends. Ephesians 4.28 now becomes one of those verses that is life-altering. You know, Paul talks about... The transformation. As we get into his word, his word renews their mind and there's transformation. The Christian is going to live different, and here it comes. Hey, buddy, you who have been stealing, you're going to stop stealing, and you're going to start working, and you're going to start having an income so that you'll have something. Here comes, a while something to give to him who has need. I wasn't ready for that. Were you ready for that? I thought we'd tell the guy who'd been stealing that he'd stop stealing, go to work, so he could pay his own bills. Paul, you talk, he jumped way out there about the Christian life. He says, hey, guys, if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to be looking out for the needs of others. And that's one of Paul's biggest themes through every one of his writings. You are going to be working so that you can be Living, yes, but more giving. You're going to be working so you can be giving. You're going to get up tomorrow morning and you're going to go to work to get a paycheck so that you can give to people in need. That's Ephesians 4, 28. How's your thinking on giving? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. As Paul writes to the Corinthians, he is talking to them about an offering, not for church, but for a group of people in need. They're in Jerusalem. The Christians in Jerusalem are having it rough. They're being persecuted, and Paul wants to help those poor one, poor Christians out, so he has sent word out, we're going to take an offering. We're going to be giving to the people in need, and as he's preparing them for this giving, he gives some teaching About giving. When I became a Christian at 22, I received a book called a survival kit. And in that survival kit, I learned about church membership and baptism. I learned about having a quiet time. I learned about giving. And this was one of the verses that I was to memorize 2 Corinthians 9 7. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. So, as we think about Proverbs 3, 9, giving of our first fruits. As we think of Ephesians uh, four twenty eight, giving to others in need we get a verse that kind of overshadows for us both of those concepts of how we should be going about giving. How should we go about giving? I'm going to take the next few moments of our time and lay out for you some words about how we might approach getting to give. And if you have space there in 2 Corinthians 9, 9, verse 7, somewhere around there, jot these words down. When it comes to getting to give, I think we should do so personally. Personally. Getting to give is personal. When Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says— you must each decide. Everyone is to be involved. I went to Criswell Bible College in 1982 and joined First Baptist Church in Dallas where Dr. W.A. Criswell was the pastor. I quickly got involved with the beginner department, working with four and five and six-year-olds, specifically five-year-olds. It wasn't long, about October, we had Stewardship Month. And I learned at this church that even the babies gave. We, I saw a thing about the uh, envelopes. Well, at First Dallas given, even the babies got an envelope. Specifically, though, the four, five, and six-year-olds that I worked with got an envelope. We, at the very young age, started teaching our children about being a giver. You may be getting an allowance. You may be getting a gift from your grandparents. Give something back to the Lord. Every person is to learn to give, to make a decision about giving. It is personal. And no one in this room is to be exempt. Every one of us has to make a decision. See, this morning, you're either a taker, a keeper, or a giver. Every one of you. And you say, well, I'm not going to be giving. Okay, then you're, you're a keeper. This is a personal decision. And this personal decision is to be done willingly. In getting to give, we do so Willingly. See, my job this morning as the the preacher of the hour is not to twist your arm till it hurts. Some ministries do that. It's not of God. Uh, If I had the time, We could look at numerous passages from the Old Testament and New Testament of how God's people willingly gave. As they heard of the need of what God was doing, they were able to participate willingly. There was such a compulsion from their heart to give, willingly. So as I get to give, I'm going to give personally. I'm going to give willingly. I'm going to give cheerfully. In getting to give, we give cheerfully. God does not want to look down and see you giving of your offering this morning with bitterness in your heart, grudgingly. You know, every now and then we do get good glimpses of how God thinks. You know, you can do a good study on this, of the things that delight God. You have things that delight you. Well, God has things that delight him. Here we find out that God loves cheerful giving, a cheerful giver. I was visiting a church in Atlanta, North Metro, pastored by Dr. Frank Cox, and uh, the man stood up. He said, I'd like to invite our ushers to come now for our morning offering. Woo! What in the world just happened? The whole church broke, broke, out, broke out in applause because it was giving time. It was the way he had taught his people, to think about giving. How do you feel about giving? Do you give cheerfully? Do you give thoughtfully? When I think about getting to give, I think we should do so thoughtfully. 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 You know, everybody has needs. And just because a person has a need does not mean you're supposed to meet that need. Is he on biblical grounds? Do you know the Apostle Paul told Timothy working with widows that there were some widows the church was not supposed to support? Did did you know that Paul with the Thessalonians said, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat? You know, you could do more harm in trying to help someone by giving to them that causes them to gain an entitlement mindset. And now instead of giving them a hand, up, you're just giving them a hand out, and that's what they'll want to continue. And God says, don't do that. You need to be thoughtful in your giving. Is this a need that you should be giving to? Now, while I am not making this one of the points, if it's under this one, I I think the thoughtful giving is going to be practical giving, practical giving. That you're looking to make sure that where you're putting your money is going to be able to be used, practically. I get asked every now and then with family things we talk about at my age, reminiscing, what did you get for Christmas when you were growing up? Any of you have those kind of questions, those kind of talks? They're fun to talk about. Mine were never hard to give the answers. We were uh, in a situation, as I grew up, we basically got one Christmas present a year. And and it was easy to always remember, I I got a saddle for my horse. And I loved that brand new saddle. I could still see it when I walked in to the living room for Christmas. It was beautiful. And I had this new saddle for my horse. One year, I got a Lionel train set. And I loved trains. Grew up beside a railroad. I loved having that train set. I got an electric football game. That was weird. It looked good, but it didn't work well. Um, but I got that. But the most practical gift I ever got, the most useful gift I ever got, came after I'd gone to college and came home for Christmas. My mom went out shopping, and for Christmas that year, she gave what I would call a care package. Because I'm a young man living in an apartment with a roommate, just the two of us, trying to pay the bills, have no money. And she went out and she bought me soap and uh, uh, deodorant, hairspray. She bought me shaving cream. And I'm looking at all this going through each one of those things, toothpaste, aftershave. She even got me some Tylenol. She knew I was having headaches from studying. And to this day, as I prove right now, the most memorable gift I ever got from my mom was the most practical. She gave me what I needed and could use a whole semester while I'm living there in Dallas. And I'm saying to you, as you think about giving, that's what we're doing right now. How do we think about giving? Think thoughtfully, practically. I would also want to say to you this morning, as we get to give, it ought to be done generously. It ought to be done generously. What does that word generous mean? It means that you're going to be seeing the need and you're going to be giving above what the need is. And Proverbs lets you know, this is the way you want to live. When it comes to giving, you want to be generous. Look at Proverbs 11, 25. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. He who has a generous eye, Proverbs 22, 9, will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. Now, I'm going to say something i got to believe a whole lot of you already know. This is a church that's been taught on giving. You know what these verses are saying? You can't outgive God. When you give to others, God is watching and He gives back to you. Now, you don't give to get, but you're going to get when you give. God is going to see that you're going to be blessed. As you bless others. And that idea of generous is you are blessing someone. Someone who has a need and they can't meet the need. And you step in and now you pour into their life. And it is far more than a hand out. It is a hand up. That's the idea of being generous. Are you generous in your giving? Or are you stingy in your giving? You know, when it comes to this concept here with, of the water, if you hold back water, you're going to be finding that you won't have water. When, when it comes to agriculture, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. The Bible is going to call you. Don't hoard it. Don't be stingy, but share it generously. I would also say to you this morning, in getting to give, We should give sacrificially, extravagantly. I put those two words together. Now, sometimes, not all times, but when it comes to our giving, there should be some times of sacrificial giving, extravagant giving. And you know some of the most beautiful passages in the Scripture Or of sacrificial and extravagant giving. Think about Mary of Bethany. We're coming to the end of the life of Jesus, and and she knows that there's not going to be much more time. And it says that Mary took a pound of average, cheap. No, it says she took expensive ointment. And she, it was made from pure nard. And she anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of this perfume. Here's Mary of Bethany saying, Jesus is the best, so he's going to get my best. And you know what the disciples said? That was a waste. And I think sometimes, folks, you need to give where other people are going, Oh, I wouldn't give that much. And it's okay that they would say that. It's not for them to do. But you ought to have some times where you have decide, you know what, Jesus is so worthy. I'm going to do something for him that quite frankly, he's going to go, wow, this, this was pretty good. He really complimented Mary about what she did for him, so much so that he said, tell her story wherever the gospel is preached. That's a pretty good compliment right there. Mary said, "He is the best. He gets my best." And I just wonder, do you have any stories of, boy? I wanted him to have as much as I could give. Tell it hurt sacrificially. You know, when the wise man came, and we'll be looking at this as we take a, as we move into Christmas. You know, guys, they didn't bring cheap gifts. They were coming to see the King of Kings. And they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They brought the best for Jesus. So as we are thinking about giving, okay, thinking about giving, it should be done thoughtfully and practically. But there are times, there are times when you need to be extravagant in your giving. And I love that. This is what Chuck Swindoll, I got this from him, as he talked about Mary of Bethany. That woman showed extravagant love with an extravagant gift. By the way, I think it's worth saying at this point, when it comes to giving, Dr. Johnny Hunt, preaching one time, he just kind of threw this statement out. And then it kind of became one of his statements. He said, I've never missed anything I gave away. As we think about giving this morning, I'm going to tell you, you will never miss anything. If you're giving it with the right, you'll never miss anything that you give away. I do think in getting to give, we need to give completely. Completely. So what does that mean? Completely. Well, Paul is writing to the Corinthians about giving. He tells about how the Macedonians were giving. So he wants to illustrate for them how another group gave, but here's what he said about them. And not only as we had hoped, speaking about their gift, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. 2 Corinthians 8, 5. I got to tell you, folks, it isn't about the money here, it's about who your master is. You can give $100,000, you can give a million dollars and have no heart for Jesus whatsoever, and I don't give you any applause whatsoever. Where's the heart? Have you given your heart completely to Jesus? Before the money comes, he's my master, he gets it all, he, I love him completely. And you know, folks, there's no way of getting around this. <laughs> Jesus gave himself completely for you. We saw that, didn't we? With the Lord's Supper this morning. Pivot talked about him shedding his precious blood. He gave everything he had. He gave his life. And you know what he says about him giving his life? As he gave as he gave this is what he says take he gave his life and now he says to us take no one in this room today has to make anything in order to get to heaven you don't have to earn anything to get to heaven you don't have to work for anything to get to heaven you don't have to pay anything to get to heaven. Jesus said, take. Take. It's a gift. And whenever I partake of the Lord's Supper, I think about how he wants me to take. Wow, what a Savior. He surely did pay it all. This morning, do you know him? Have you taken, received the Lord Jesus Christ? We give, we get to give in in this season personally, willingly, cheerfully, thoughtfully, generously, sacrificially, yes, extravagantly, completely. And we get to give, and we do so by intentionality takes us back to the very beginning, where you have to make the decision, what am I going to do? What am I going to do in this season of getting to give? Tuesday is, is Giving Tuesday. You have three opportunities with this ministry, a ministry that is supported by God's people. You have an opportunity on Tuesday to give to the camp, to the church, and to the school. Tomorrow there'll be an email that everyone will get, even you that are watching online. Everyone will be getting an email that will explain why you should give to the camp. Wow. Young people hearing the gospel, getting saved, young people answering the call to ministry, young people dedicating their lives to serve Jesus. Give it as a product. Hillary is a product of the camp just for two people right there. The camp ministry. You want to give to that. This church as it not only impacts Winston-Salem and with the dream of, of seeing 1% of Winston-Salem come to know the Lord because the Salem Baptist Church, it is a worldwide ministry. You get to give to that, the school, not just going through the stages of academics but bringing them to the Luke 2.52 where they're growing in wisdom and stature and favor with man and favor with God. You get to get to the school. I would challenge you in your thinking on giving. Give a gift that keeps on giving. And when you give to that camp, you're giving to a ministry that keeps on giving. When you give to this church, you're giving to a ministry that keeps on giving. And when you give to the school, you're giving to a ministry that keeps on giving. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, invest your money in the things of eternity for all eternity. Lay your treasure up in heaven. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. How do you think about giving? I want to ask you this question now real seriously. It's heads bowed, eyes closed. Are you a taker when it comes to your money? Because you're saying it's somebody, it's it's my money, I'm gonna take it from others. Are you a keeper? hmm, hmm. I'm just wondering this morning if a whole bunch of you are saying, I'm not a taker. Well, I want to say this to you. Had this thought when I wrapped up the message, preaching it to myself this morning. If you are a keeper, you are a taker because you are robbing from God and you're robbing from yourself. As I teach seminars on giving, I tell people you can't afford not to give because when you don't give, it comes back to hurt your bottom line. So I wonder who the robbers are this morning. You say, I'm not a taker. You would never find me taking if you're a keeper this morning, if you're stingy, you're holding tight-fisted with your money, the question is, are you the robber this morning that's robbing God, robbing self? Are you a giver? Are you a giver? A joyful, cheerful giver. We call this inventory time. Lord, this is our season for getting to give. Help me now to put into practice what I've heard today. Help me to be a generous giver, a thoughtful giver. Help me to be a cheerful giver. Lord, help me to be intentional. Say that to the Lord about your giving this year, this Christmas. I would be remiss if I didn't ask this. If you don't know the Lord today, I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, I appeal On behalf of Christ, receive him. Receive him. The greatest gift you will ever get is from the Lord Jesus Christ, who did everything that was necessary for you to be saved. Call on him today. Father, thank you for this time. We've been reminded from the Lord's Supper that you truly are a giver. You gave your life, you gave your blood, you gave everything for us May we today leave with a commitment to give everything to you. May we honor you with every possession. May we truly look to meet needs and make a difference in other people's lives. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to invest in eternal things for all eternity.